How are y'all doing this morning? A little bit better. I don't know. Who's tired? You just woke up tired. You know, right now the, the sun is coming up later and later, and uh, you're finding the sun is coming up sometime around 7.15, 7.30 right now. And I don't know about you, but that just makes me want to stay in bed a little bit longer. And it feels, it feels nice, but Lord knows that daylight savings is coming, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to throw everyone off a little bit, but, you know, bless God we got to at least put up with it for one more year until the government decides to vote on it again. We'll see. Um, if you could turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 38. We've been going through this short series on being a good neighbor. And today what I want to do is I want to give you fundamental instruction, but at the same time a good dose of the Holy Spirit. Who needs that, amen? You say, I need, I need led, I need guided, I need that instruction in my life, but I need the Holy Spirit to also reveal to me, inform me, impact me, and I, I think we need to acknowledge the Spirit of God can speak in our lives daily, right? He has the opportunity to do that daily if we'll open up and listen. And sometimes I open up the Bible and there is a message that can just hit me right in the head. Right over the head like an anvil in a Looney Tunes cartoon. You know what I'm saying? It just makes it so evident and obvious. And this particular week, I was sitting there thinking and meditating a little bit about opportunities that I have had to witness to people. Sometimes I I saw that opportunity and I took it. Other times that opportunity was right in front of me and I missed it. Who knows what I'm talking about? So the story that we're going to share today is a good example of someone taking an opportunity. And, you know, we don't really read about too many missed opportunities in the Bible. That It it always speaks about the opportunities that, that, that were found, right? But I believe that the body of Christ needs to be put into a position to succeed in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ like this man, Philip did here today. So if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 38, we're going to read. Let's begin. Says, after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. As for Philip, An angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Let's pray. God, we read about opportunities like this man from Ethiopia. And God, how you had already cultivated his heart. You'd already prepared the moment, and all Philip did was respond to your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we be open to your move. We be ready for you to lead us and guide us. 
that, God, we might have opportunities like Philip had. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Who believes in honesty in the room, right? You believe in honesty? Okay. So, this week, how many of you actively sought opportunities to share Jesus with someone? Okay, so you, 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 you see the disparity of living as a believer. Here we are acknowledging that it's probably the most important thing on the face of the earth we can do. And yet, so often, we rarely take opportunity. And so some of the things that I'm going to say today, you know, it is going to feel like there is a target on you. And some other things I'm going to say today, you're like, well, that doesn't really apply to me. And, but you know what? The idea is that I am hoping to just spray to all fields. And uh, hopefully I, I hit one in the gap. Right, Pastor Morris? And the first thing that I notice is I, as I see Philip here taking an opportunity to minister to an Ethiopian, it, it stands out to me that so many of us, whether we want to admit it or not, and I'm not just speaking of race, but we minister with prejudice. I want you to hear me out. I believe we minister with prejudice, and it starts by we develop oftentimes our ideal situation in how we might minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. So my statement to you today is don't develop ideals for how you share Jesus. Don't develop any particular ideals on what the perfect setting is because there are several things that might hold you and I back on how we share Jesus with others. The first thought is it has to be on my terms, right? It is going to be either on a neutral playing field or I'm going to have that home field advantage. You know what I'm saying? Like, here, you come to church with me, and then that's the perfect time to tell them about Jesus is when they come to church. And the reality is it should be happening outside of the church walls, amen? We might put stipulations on our opportunities, and church, I'm going to tell you, that is a recipe for quenching the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about this, because the only guarantee that you have, if you put stipulations on how you spread God's word, is that God's going to use someone else. Are you hearing me? So, I, I, you know, this is a simple thing, but I think it is so important for you to write down, highlight, circle, do whatever you have to do. Don't restrict who you share with. Don't restrict who you share with. It could be, it could be family or someone you want to share life with that naturally it flows out of us. It's like, that's who I should share about with Jesus or, or, or share, share with about Jesus. And so it's common for us to also focus on people that we get along with, thinking that is the perfect person that I should share with. And wh where I notice it, you particularly see this amongst people sharing within their, their, their same class or race. You really see it line up there. And so let's be real for just a moment. If we can be honest again for just a moment, some of us freeze up in how we even approach others outside of our class or race. And don't really have a clue because we're not thinking about that person is as equally a human being as I am. God equally sent his son to die for them just like he did for me. We don't break it down to the simplest forms. We, as human beings, we make it complicated. Then another problem I see. There are so many people we come in contact with that we condemn them to hell just by how they live. We're like, oh, I, I'm not going to share Jesus with them. They'll never receive it. Think about it this way. Might that be playing God? 
let me make this statement so clear. It could be the addict. It could be someone we know that just got out of prison. It could be someone that maybe they're involved in a gang. Maybe they're a sexual deviant. And you just look at them and you think, no, they don't need to hear it. They're already on this path. They're already going down the wrong direction. They're committed to it. See, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to determine where someone's heart is at before seeing whether or not the Holy Spirit is going to give us utterance, something to speak that might pierce between the flesh, dividing that bone and marrow and piercing down into their soul, right? And again, so that means we're kind of acting as God. We're the judge and jury. Should they get a chance to hear it? And that church, I want you to hear me again, is not a genuine representation of Jesus. It's not. Now some of you are sitting there and you might be saying, Pastor, yeah, Jesus died for all, but he came for the Jews. So you might be a little wrong there. In John chapter 4, the disciples find themselves, they are venturing into Samaria. And as we discussed three, three weeks ago, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Right? It did not happen. And especially a man would not associate with a woman that's a Samaritan. So here they are, they venture into Samaria, and Jesus finds himself alone as the disciples, they're going off to find some food. And Jesus decides he's going to ask the Samaritan woman for a drink. And what I want you to do as we read this story, and I guarantee you've read it before, but what I want you to do is observe her reaction to Jesus, how Jesus treats her, okay? The disciples' reaction to Jesus ministering to her. Let's observe these things. John chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to read through verse 10, and then we're going to skip down further. It says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. Everyone say surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now I want to skip down to verse 26. It says, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him ask, er, talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? But church, let me tell you, they were thinking it. They were thinking it. They were disturbed by the situation they were looking at. Verse 28 says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran. Everyone say ran. She ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Who finds that an awesome testimony to what our Lord Jesus Christ can do in the hearts of mankind, no matter their skin color, no matter their class, no matter their gender, our Jesus came and died for all. Amen? Sometimes I think the church doesn't get excited enough about things like that. Think about it this way. If Jesus had not shared with her or it was determined by the disciples who the good news was for. All of the sudden, 
the good news of Jesus Christ becomes exclusive. It's exclusive. It's only meant for a certain class. And eventually what happens is the church starts selling it to the right people. Then next thing you know, some are shut out from hearing it. Do you see how quickly that would spiral out of control? Man has the ability to ruin about everything, right? And the gospel of Jesus Christ, church, is inclusive no matter the age, color of their skin, class, or character. Jesus Christ is inclusive. And so shame on us, and I, I, I need to be so clear about this, shame on us if we don't take opportunities that are right in front of us. Right there, staring us in the face, making it so evident because as much as Jesus was called to the earth to minister to the Jews, he knew and he intended for the Gentiles to also believe and follow him. Listen to John 10, 16. He says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is saying, right now, I might be ministering to you Jews, but everyone, everyone is going to come into my sheepfold. Everyone is going to be one. Who says amen to that? Church, I'm telling you, I wasn't born a Jew, right? So here I am, a Gentile. Peggy, we're Gentiles. You hear me? We are Gentiles. And here we are, standing here, being able to praise Jesus Christ, being having this relationship with him because he came and died for us too. He died for us too. Jesus, he never boxed himself in to one people group. And so, church, hear me out. Don't picture what your ideal church looks like. Oh, that one might sting too. It's pastor, I've done it. Think about it. Boy, if we could get some wealthier people up in here, you know. Man, the things we could do. Or, you know what? Sister so-and-so, she's not, she's not very friendly, you know. Hey, that church down the road, maybe I can make a trade with them. Right? How often do we look at other people, though, in the church and think, man, you know, it'd be nice if we had this kind of person. Or it'd be nice if we had more of someone like me. The church of Jesus Christ should look identical to the kingdom of God. A multi-generational, multicultural people that is all together in one accord. That is what the church of Jesus Christ should look like. And so we as a church body, I honestly believe at the heart and soul of who we are, we should reflect our surrounding community. We should reflect our surrounding community. We shouldn't just wait for opportunity. So if you're hearing this and thinking, okay, pastor, you know what? I hear what you're saying. Some things you've said, I feel targeted this morning. Doesn't feel good. You could close right now. I'll go home. We'll pretend like you never said any of it. And maybe you're also saying, you know what? When opportunity comes, I'm going to take it. So you decide, you make the decision, well, if someone knocks on my door, I'll answer. If someone sparks conversation with me at the grocery store or at the gym or my work, I'll speak up. But if we go back to our main text for just a moment, it says that they finished sharing the word in Samaria. So they were already sharing the word with another people group. 
And then after they were done sharing, I can only imagine, I, I know what it's like sharing on a Sunday when the Holy Spirit is moving. I go home and I am exhausted. I want to collapse. And so all of a sudden it says they, they were done. They administered to everyone and they were going back home. And Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. And so all of a sudden you now have Philip, an angel of the Lord shows up before Philip and says, I want you to take a different path. I want you to take a different path. And he actively had to go out of his way, out of the norm, out of his comfort zone. Are you hearing me, church? So it might require that you step out in faith, step out of your comfort zone. Don't just wait for someone to knock on your door. Don't just wait for someone to spark a conversation so that you might speak up. But be open to the opportunity to be used by the Holy Spirit. See, we read this story about Philip, and, and we see that he's approached by the angel of the Lord, and I know that that is quite unique. And you might look over the course of your life, and you're like, Pastor, that has never happened to me. But I believe if your heart is in the right place, it can. And you likewise, if you choose to be directed by God daily, and you're pursuing the things of his spirit, I believe these opportunities can occur. And so what we need to do is what we really need to talk about here today is us, you and I, walking in the spirit. You have to be passionate for the things of God. And hear me out, it's not Pastor Kelly coming up here and hyping you up before a worship service so you can prove you're passionate about something. This is about you living it out and walking on a daily basis. And so I'm going to ask you some questions here, and on the surface they're going to seem rhetorical, but I promise you they're not because it's really talking about a heart issue. Do you understand the significance of needing to share the gospel? Do you really do? Do you fully grasp that we do not deserve what Jesus did for us? Do you understand the torment that awaits people in hell? Because if you bottle all that up together, if you truly understand the passion of why God sent his son, if you truly let that resonate in your heart, then that passion is going to stir you up, not just when Pastor Kelly stirs you up. It's not going to stir you up when, when they finally do your worship song. It's not going to be when the pastor finally preaches on your favorite message or, or maybe you feel targeted. It is because you are living day in, day out, seeking the word of God, crying out to him in prayer, hearing from him. Are you hearing me, church? And all of a sudden, you are actively pursuing the things of the Spirit. To grow in the Lord and become more like Him demands we be passionate for people. It demands it. That proves growth because that's the very reason God sent His Son. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not sure if you've ever heard this before. I guarantee I have at least two people in the room that have heard this before. Pastor Kelly and Pastor Morris. I guarantee they've heard this before. There's a phrase amongst pastors Honestly, kind of breaks my heart. And I'm going to say it because I've said it before because of influence around me, but at the root of it, I, I, I hate the phrase. They say, pastoring would be great if it wasn't for the what? The people. Pastoring would be great if it wasn't for the people. And I want to say, first off, I get it. I get where that phrase comes from on a human level. I get it. Because I have been hurt by people. People can also make things very difficult and complicated. But people are the reason God sent his son. Right? So it's, th these things should not be coming out of our mouths in how we approach and deal with people because as complicated, as messy, as difficult as things are, that is the very reason God sent his son. 
So your passion for God starts in believing what he has done. He has done for you. And I don't know about you, but when you start diving in, truly seeking the Lord, I can't help but fall in love with the character of God when I realize how much he cares about me. But you and I, let's say it again, said it about two minutes ago, you can't learn that without the word of God, okay? And you need to have a daily, thriving prayer life. Now, I want to be clear again. Don't think you can get there by just being emotional during a worship service or listening to Christian radio, right? I don't want you to think that you can get there by being fired up by the right message. Because here's the thing, we serve a God who wants not just this community of believers coming together, but he wants a personal relationship with you, church. Are you hearing me? He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants a relationship that when you leave this place, you have a private place you go to daily where you are seeking him. Not just in this room. You might discover God through a church, through your friends group, through music, but that's where it starts, and it doesn't last very long. It's an inch deep and a mile wide. If you want a true relationship where you tap in to the Spirit, you're going to learn to shut off your phone. You're going to learn to shut your door. And open up to the Spirit of God, His Word, and the healthy prayer life. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's the next thing. It also demands that we should desire all of Him. So we need to actively pursue the Holy Spirit in our life because it is a s- essential for the Christian faith. Listen to John 3, 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. So all of a sudden, when, when, when we accept Jesus Christ, the, the Spirit comes in and starts doing a work. But there is much more to be had. But I want you to think about it in these terms for the Pentecostal, the Spirit-filled person. To deny the Spirit is to, not, to deny the very work inside you when salvation takes place. So if you choose, you seek to cultivate that work, you take steps of obedience, you pray, you seek the infilling, what God is going to do is he is going to give you a powerful ministry that will transform lives the same way Philip did when he chose to go down this different road. And I would argue, Philip doesn't go down that road without the infilling. I'm going to say this and I'm going to be clear because I'm someone who having special needs sons, everything abstract and difficult and complicated in scripture, I like to break down into concrete thoughts. So a lot of the things that I teach are fundamental because I believe those fundamentals are essential for Christian living. But church, you cannot settle for the practical or hope God sends someone more dynamic along. Who's done that? God is saying, who will go out for me? Isaiah, in the presence of God, in Isaiah chapter 6, he said, here am I, send me. But many of us were saying, Lord, I don't know. When I find him, I'll let you know, God. The reality is we're, we're, just, we're just hoping for someone else because we, we all of a sudden, we don't value what is inside of us. And I am telling you, church, God has placed his spirit in you not for someone else to do the work, for you to. 
for you too. So we're going to give you some keys to walking in the Spirit. These are practical. It's practical, but practical, practical things you need to put into practice in order that you can walk in the Spirit. So to walk in the Spirit, you need to be able to gain control over basic human nature. I want to read for you Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Everyone say that. Walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The second key that I'm going to mention is one of the biggest ways that we walk in the Spirit is to feed the things of the Spirit and put to death the things of the flesh. So back to that personal time. You have to feed your Spirit in order to draw out and be walking in the Spirit. Because if you aren't going to actively seek being directed by God to do great things, you're going to open the door up and eventually be consumed by sin. What instead you need to do is you need to remove those things out of your life and you should be making steps of obedience. Are you hearing me? Those aren't easy things to hear. Because what I'm asking you to do is not easy for people that if, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Matthew chapter 5, but this is Aaron's paraphrase version. If your phone causes you to sin, throw it away. If your TV causes you to sin, throw it away. You know, Jesus said if your eye causes you to sin. You know? Here's our reality. Do we really believe hell is a place of torment? Do we really believe that if we serve sin over God, even though we've confessed Christ, that we're fine? Or do we believe that if we serve sin over God, we're denying the very reason God sent his son, and we're condemning ourselves to hell? These are some serious issues, church. There's some issues that we have to settle in our own heart. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you guys. To live in the Spirit is going to be that daily walk that is not just sustained from an impactful message. That revelation that comes from God is only going to take you so far. 
you need something fresh every day. Every day. Where you are actively listening and responding. And so where I want to finish this message today is I want to talk about us being ready in season and out of season. You know, the Bible says, and and I'm using two different scriptures when I say ready in season and out of season, and what I'm about to say is we need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone we come in contact with. I'm going to say not every day is a good day. You guys feeling me? Not every day is a good day. Sometimes I let my attitude get the best of me, but I'm sure you all are perfect. Okay? And there are some days where I just don't want to deal with any questions. I don't want to deal with problems. I love it when my phone doesn't ring. Because there are days where I don't feel qualified. Okay? Listen to 2 Timothy 4 2. It says, Preach the word. Everyone say, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Church, there are days where I might not feel ready. Where I don't think I can do God justice, but he calls us to be prepared no matter what. I'll tell you a story. It's March of 2019. I've just taken over MOVE. I've been told about all the great things MOVE has ever done. By the t- when I took MOVE over, we had completed 43 projects. And I was told we only said no to one. We only ever said no to one project. And I inherited my first project was India. And some of you might understand and know the issues with bringing a group to India. But here I am, I'm trying to find all these ways to make it work, and I have a construction director going, we, we should have never said yes to this. And I'm like, hey man, it's not my thing, but here we are, and let's try and make it work. And I'm trying to make it work, and I'm trying to make them happy because I see how desperately they need the resources that we can provide. And all of a sudden, my heart is torn. And I have my construction director saying, it'll never work, we need to just say no. I said, well, we've already got a scout trip there. I'm going to go over there anyways. And I remember there was one particular day where I was just so frustrated. I, didn't, I definitely didn't want him to call me that day. I didn't want my phone to ring. I just wanted to curl up in a ball. And what it was was this was supposed to go differently. This is not happening the way I expected And so I just wanted to shut down. And I remember very clearly, it was a Wednesday. And I get a text from an old friend who I hadn't seen in a long time who moved to another state. And he sent me a text. And he had been in the middle of a bad divorce. And his text said, whatever you hear, I want you to know, I always looked up to you and respected your family, don't think anything differently of me. And all of a sudden, alarm bells started going off in my head. And I had to snap into action. Tried calling him, he wouldn't answer. But he'd respond through text. And I'm just saying, please, what, whatever you do, let's talk, let's think things through. Because I can see the direction you're headed, and I don't like it. And long story short, I had the cops show up at his house when he got off work that day. And as I said, it was a Wednesday, so we had Wednesday night class at church. And I had already decided in in my heart that if he called during class, I was going to take it. Sure enough, about 20 minutes in, the phone rings, and I step out. And there was a lot of questions about God and what God was doing because life wasn't going the way he had expected But praise God, for me, 
He gave me the words to speak in a very difficult time in my own life. Unfortunately, church, we don't have the say when these things are going to spring up. And you and I, church, we need to be ready in season and out of season. Frankly, and this is going to hurt a little because we all have bad days, right? Raise your hand if you've had a bad day. I don't care if you've had a bad day. If it's going to stop you from ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care. The Holy Spirit will give you things to speak. You have to trust and know that. You have to trust in him. You know, there, there's some crazy questions we get that we don't have the answers to. I remember the first time as a parent, I got the dad, where do babies come from? I was just, uh, 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 I, 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 I'm not ready for this. And what I did was I took a big swallow. I said, help me, Lord. And I began to speak. There are times as a pastor I am asked a question and the, the answers are difficult. It's challenging. I want you to listen to 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Church, sometimes I don't have the answer right away. It takes time, but we must be prepared. We must stay sharp, and we must be at the ready. For me, it is an awful lot like the night watchman. You guys know what the night watchman is, right? You don't want to hire someone to be a night watchman that has narcolepsy. You don't want to do that. You don't want to hire someone that, that maybe gets distracted by their phone, right? That'd be a bad night watchman. You want someone that's going to be alert, someone who is prepared and is ready to defend. Church, God wants you to be the night watchman of your faith. And if you lean on the Spirit, He will help you. He will help you. Listen to Mark 13.11 as we're getting ready to finish up. Mark 13.11 says, but when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at this time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. I read about the Apostle Stephen or Peter when they're being questioned before the religious council. You know, Stephen was stoned. Peter, the Spirit of God moved and Peter was released. But I believe in both cases, God directed what to say. And God had the glory in the outcome. Some of you hear this and you might panic and you think, Pastor, I, I don't feel ready. I can't respond like they did. But I'm telling you, if you start doing the fundamental practical things, God is going to equip you to act. He's going to equip you to act. Next Sunday, we're starting a series on spiritual warfare. And one of the instructions in spiritual warfare is found in Ephesians chapter 6, and it's putting on the armor of God. And I had a friend that every single day when he got up, he read over Ephesians chapter 6. And he envisioned putting on each piece of armor and church, I want you to think about that because to prepare yourself just like battle, you need the proper equipment. You need the proper equipment and you need to enter into discipleship. Hear me out. Church, if you are sitting within the sound of my voice, you need to enter into discipleship into one of our classes here at the church. This service isn't just good enough. It's not. Whether that's on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, you need to start applying the things of God in your life and develop the knowledge so that you can go out and you can be effective. The good neighbor that God has called you to be. You know, I'm kind of ashamed 
to admit how long it took me to be more active in my faith. I remember I went to lunch with a friend of mine who, he is the open Bible pastor in Cedar Rapids. And I drove down from Waterloo to meet him for lunch. And we went to Bible college together and uh, I love being around him because frankly he's very different than I am. And we're sitting at the table and I'm just thinking about connecting with my friend and the, the waitress comes up and I'm not afraid to say his name because it's a great story. Harris looks at her and says, how are you today? And she said, oh, I've been okay. And he said, hey, I make it a point to really get to know everyone who serves us. I just want you to know we're two pastors here and we're about to pray in five minutes. And I'm curious, do you have anything that we could pray for? She said, yeah, I do. He said, would you want to join us in that prayer? She said, yeah, I would. Give me, give me a couple minutes and I'll be back. And so there, she went around, served a couple tables that were in need and then came back. And she started to open up about some things in her life and Harris, and I followed his lead, prayed for her. And I sat there and thought, how many times have I completely missed an opportunity because I was just in my routine. I was more focused on the next coming moment. I wasn't actively listening to the Holy Spirit to live out my faith. You and I, church, we need to get our hearts right. We'd be a lot more like Harris. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Kelton's going to keep lightly playing in the background, but here's the thing. Church, I believe we need to repent. I believe we do let human nature take a little bit too much control sometimes. And we just need to bow before the face of the Lord. Because yet again, we find ourselves undeserving. And saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me. So I believe that all throughout this room, we have people who are being awakened to, I can do better. I need the Spirit of God within me. And you have a chance to bow down before the face of the Lord and bring about repentance in your life. So church, if you're with me, what we're going to do is we're going to open up these altars. An opportunity to truly bow before the Lord and say, God, I repent. God, I fully commit to walk in your spirit daily. And if the Spirit of God is rising up inside of you, I'm challenging you, step out. Step out. So here's what we're going to do. Because Kelton's going to lead us in worship. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And you are with me, and you're like, Pastor, I just need to seek the Lord right now. I need to commit to that daily walk and truly repent of what's going on in here. I encourage you to step out. Bow down. And I'm going to open up that invitation right now as he sings. Let's lift holy hands up to the Lord without wrath or doubting. Heavenly God, we thank you for sending your son to die for each and every one of us. But as much as you sent him for us, Lord, you also sent him for everyone that is on this earth. And God, so often we neglect, 
Lord, our brother. So often we neglect our sister. We, we neglect those who are right in front of us. And Father, right now, I ask for the spirit of repentance to completely fall in this room to where, God, we recognize that, Lord, we need to walk in your spirit daily. And so often we let the flesh creep up and rule the day. But God, we say no in the mighty name of Jesus where we will choose to be people who walk in the spirit and who are ready in season and out of season, that we're always prepared to give an answer. And God, we look to you as the author and the true finisher of our faith. God, it can be so overwhelming to think about the responsibilities that we have in serving you. But Lord, I pray that you will simply show us that Lord, if we are obedient, if we seek you, God, if we put it into practice, Lord, your spirit is going to lead us. And all we have to do is answer the prompting. So Holy Spirit, Take control. We open the door, Father, for you to pour out your spirit on this place. God, that the norm is not good enough anymore, God. That our schedule that we like to keep is worthless when we're in your presence. God, I pray that you will rule our lives in a way that, God, we give you honor through each and every step, each and everything that we do. God, more than anything, I pray that you will awaken these people to see how much, God, you care and love them. Thus, you care and love others. Give us a heart for those as you have revealed your love and care for us. I praise you and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,